Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord, and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So, it had been about a week since Jesus had been born. And they had settled a little bit, Mary and Joseph, into the new realities of having this child with them. But, of course, there were still the anxieties of a new parents, and the anxieties of the world. And now they were, for the, probably the first time, about to venture out from the manger with the Christ child. I'm pretty sure the checklist went something like this. All right, Mary's looking through her diaper bag. All right, we've got the past of the fire. Check. We've got the, the burp rags. Check. Uh, Joseph, Joseph, have, have you installed the donkey seat properly? Right? Something like that. Maybe. I don't know. And they're going, and they also, I'm pretty sure, had a plan as they headed to... Jerusalem. Jerusalem, just a few miles from Bethlehem. And they were going there to the temple on that eighth day, according to the law, to present Jesus, the firstborn son, before the Lord. And so they, as they're going in, if it were me, I think that uh, they had a, a, a very strict plan that they were going to adhere to. I, I think of the first time that we took Joy, Eden and I took our daughter Joy, our firstborn, to church after she was born. And we had a plan, and part of that plan was using the car seat to protect her. Not in the car, we weren't so concerned about that, but to protect her in church, right? To keep her covered so that people didn't come with their fingers that had all their germs on them and get our infant child sick, right? And we were going to slip in and then slip out and it was going to be easy peasy like that. Ah, Except, here's the problem, I'm the pastor, (laughs) <laughs> and so you don't just slip in and slip out of the church when the pastor has a new baby, right? And so, of course, everyone wanted to see Joy. And, and you know what? Joy's still with us today, and everything is good. But it did kind of throw the plan that Eden and I have uh, uh, out the window quickly as we were, you know, trying to navigate the gauntlet out of the, the church as we went on our way after worship that day. So, Mary Joseph, they're entering into Jerusalem. They're walking up the steps to this grand temple. They've purchased turtle doves that they're going to use for sacrifice. That's, the options were the, the turtle doves or a lamb or a, a bull. What did the bird signify? Well, that tells us that they weren't people of means. That was, that was the option for the poor people. And so they bought the least expensive sacrifice, and they were going to sacrifice that before the Lord in the temple as they brought the baby Jesus in. And so 
as they're walking up, Joseph is trying to handle these birds, right, and, and get them over, and he's distracted, and Mary, uh, you know, trying to, to, to keep Jesus calm, and maybe he was crying a little bit, no crying he made, I don't believe it, right? In fact, there is a scripture text about Jesus later in his life, and it, what does it say? It says, Jesus wept, right? So I'm pretty sure baby Jesus wept too, and we can throw out all the romanticized images of him being a uh, super uh, passive child. That's my thought. Take it or leave it. And as they're distracted, as parents sometimes can be, along comes this man, and his face is lit up. And he just swoops up the baby Jesus in his arms. This man, who is he? He is Simeon. Simeon is a faithful, righteous, devout believer in God. He had been told by the Holy Spirit that he was not going to die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Many people look at that, coupled with who else Luke brings into this story, Anna, who we are told specifically is 84, and think Simeon was probably an older gentleman at this point. And so he had been told by the Spirit, and he had been filled by the Spirit that day. And he came over and... Whoop, as Mary and Joseph are distracted, swoops up Jesus and just starts singing, My eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. He is someone, he was righteous, he is devout, and what else was he? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Think, not consolation, prize, but maybe consoling, right? Kind of that, that helps understand that word a little bit more. Israel was in pain. Israel was oppressed. Israel was enslaved by the Romans. Israel was lonely. Simeon, along with many other faithful Jews, was waiting for the Lord to move and hear Ah, his eyes have foreseen the salvation of the Lord. This is what we refer to regularly as the nunc diminis. That's the, the, uh, the Latin, um, uh, um, may, uh, my, uh, uh, may I depart in peace now, right? Depart in peace, right? So um, that's sometimes what we sing after Communion, the Nunc Dominus, one of four songs, along with the angel's song, Mary's song, and Zechariah's song that Luke has in his gospel, songs that were sung leading up to or right after the birth of Jesus. And he sings, and Mary and Joseph cannot believe their ears. Says something to me. Because they've had dreams, right? <laughs> Mary has seen Gabriel face to face. They know that the child, they named him Jesus for a reason. Because he would save his people from their sins. They knew he was special. And yet, to hear that song again, 
cause them to pause. Simeon sings, and then he turns to Mary and says, but this isn't going to be easy. A soul will pierce your own soul too. He already knows what Mary, some 33 years later, would find out firsthand that this child, he had a hard path to go as he took on the, the sins of the world. And you think about it, Jesus here, baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths, wrapped in these cloths that were used to protect and to wrap the perfect sacrificial lambs that were brought to the temple. Now we're being used to, to wrap the lamb as he's presented and as he goes on in the, isn't it fitting that this is all taking place in the temple the place where sacrifice happened and now here it is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world not swaddled and coddled but 33 years later he would be tortured and beaten and hung upon the cross, dying our death so that we may receive his life and gift of salvation. Simeon, though, as he's holding that child, he sees face-to-face -face hope fulfilled. Still in part at this moment, but here he was looking at Jesus and he sees what has he been hoping in for his entire life up to this point, the consolation of Israel. God save us. And his hope had been fulfilled. We are, through Advent and Christmas, going through a series called uh, Christmas Feels, and we're talking about uh, how uh, we have loneliness in this world, hurt, pain, grief in this world, and when Christ comes, he gives us companionship that surpasses all our needs, all of our longings. And as we deal with feelings that come up this time of year, sometimes they're good feelings, sometimes they're, they're not so good feelings. <laughs> um, one thing that gets highlighted is the importance of hope in our hearts. If we're going to step out of loneliness, if we are going to step out of anxiety or depression or grief, it is imperative that we have something to, to hope in. And that is certainly what Jesus provides, what he's given to Simeon, what he gives to his people. But let's take some time to think about, define hope, understand hope, and... 
talk about what that actually means for us as Christians to have hope. One book I've been reading through these past few weeks is by Mark Mayfield called uh, The Path Out of Loneliness. Mark Mayfield is a uh, Christian psychologist down in uh, Colorado Springs. And he says this, he says, Hope is the ability to look up and see beyond current circumstances, pain, turmoil, and disappointments to what lies ahead. The thing that's important for us to to think to 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 define those what exactly do we have hope in because we hear that word hope all the time and many times hope can disappoint as you many of you if not all of you know i am a cleveland browns fan <laughs> i have hoped for them to win a Super Bowl sometime during my life. We were praying for you yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> Pray for my family. No. So, no. And I'm sitting there watching the Browns set up perfectly. They had a chance to beat the Green Bay Packers. And they, the Browns is the Browns, right? Hope disappointed. Of course, uh, my hope in the Browns isn't an ultimate hope. We have all, all kinds of things. We can, we can have a, a penultimate, right, a secondary hope in that we can, we can hope for uh, a white Christmas and, hey, this year we, we got it, right? But there are other things that we need to, to think about as do, are we making this secondary hope an ultimate hope? So, uh, family. I know many of us hope in family, have hopes for our family that our kids grow up and are successful, that, that uh, you know, our families are, are happy and safe and healthy. Whew. But the moment we make that our ultimate hope, family can disappoint. You know, when we when we put our hope in our kids and then our kids act up and see what that can do to our to our hearts then then we can start coming down on them because they're not acting the way that they're supposed to and so it makes us look bad and so all of a sudden when we misplace our hope you see how it impacts all kinds of things around us. Um, I love my, my wife dearly. I cannot place my ultimate hope in her because she, like me, is a sinner. <laughs> She's going to fall short, and quite frankly, it's not fair to her. When I place my hope, my ultimate hope in, in something about our marriage, being perfect or whatever, um, I, what am I, I doing? I, I'm, I'm acting like she's Jesus. 
I'm putting her in a place where that only Jesus can fulfill, can satisfy. It is not fair for me to put my hope in her. Even the church. Church is not a place to place our, our hope. Not, not the imperfect um, group of people that we are. The, the church, right? Christ's bride, yes, we can have hope in that as we have hope in Jesus that he's going to somehow make this all come together. Sure, absolutely. But the individual pieces and parts of the church, people will disappoint in the church. Pastors will disappoint in the church. Christmas Eve, many of us, I know, hoped to be in church for Christmas Eve. And for some of us, we're sick. For some of us, it was the weather. For some of us, you know, something else, right? If your hope is that perfect Christmas Eve service pastor that has, uh, you know, the, the full uh, 300 plus people in attendance and that you can walk out saying, boy, we, whoo, man, yeah, we're a great church. You know, it, like that hope will disappoint. The hope has to stay in Jesus. Lastly, we can't hope in ourselves. The world often says when, when things are tough, when you're lonely, you just got to, hey, look within, look deep. That's where you'll find your strength. I've looked. It's a dark place. If we really look at our hearts, our lives... Not a, not a source of hope for me. And as far as I can tell from Scripture or from <laughs> anyone I've ever encountered, we're all, yeah, we might have moments where we can get up enough uh, wherewithal and motivation to start that New Year's diet. New Year's resolution, right? Or and to work out a little extra. But it doesn't take too long to find out that, uh, yeah, hoping myself isn't that great. But we have a, a Jesus who comes from without, from outside of us. And he comes to us. He comes as a baby to Simeon. He comes as a savior to this world to save Gentiles and his people Israel. He comes today through water and through the word and through bread and wine. This is where I, I think it's really important, even today, and this is a Lutheran distinction here, but that our hope isn't in our faith. Does that make sense? Because our faith 
can be really, really, really weak and sorrowful sometimes. And if we're looking inside to, whew, or looking at ourselves, how good am, have I been? Oh yeah, that shows that I'm, I'm growing in my, my faith. Ah, man, I think, I think that's a, a, a setting ourselves up for disappointment. That the places that we look are the cross and the word of God and the gifts that God has given, things outside of us, things that I cling to for hope in my low moments are not the strength of my faith, but the fact that when I was helpless and a, a baby, the Lord came to me and said, you are my child. And I had baptized into his family. That's something I can cling to, trusting that the Lord is always going to be faithful to his promises. So as we continue out into this world, as we go and tell the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we cling to the hope that he has given us of life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Knowing this, that our Lord Jesus will always come through for us. Amen? Amen.